0: Hello, everyone. Once again, this is Joyce Davis, Pin Live's opinion editor, and I'm bringing you another episode of Battleground PA. We're doing this, of course, in the middle of the coronavirus crisis, but there's still lots to talk about and how it's impacting politics. So stay tuned and we'll be back with our analysts, Democrat Rajat Harris and Republican Jeffrey Lord. Stay tuned.
1: This is
2: Battleground PA, a PennLive podcast discussing the issues that matter to Pennsylvanians and documenting the events in our state that will shape the battle for your vote in the 2020 presidential elections.
0: Okay, we are back and ready to rock and roll. If you'd like to join us, you can do so at PA. On uh, Twitter or Facebook, and of course, you can send us your questions by email at topics at battlegroundpa dot org. So let's get started. Rosette and the uh, Jeffrey, how are you doing, Rosette? How are you doing,
1: Rosette?
0: I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And me too. And Jeffrey, you actually have survived the scare. Just to remind our listeners that you had to self quarantine for a while, but everything worked out fine, right?
1: Everything is fine. I feel absolutely uh, great, knock on wood.
0: And I just want to ask you, have been any other reports of people coming down with the virus following the, co- the conference? Do you know of anything? I know there's not a lot of information out there. People don't want to share all of this information. But have you heard if anybody else has contracted anything as a result of that conference?
1: No, I haven't. You know, which is saying something because... I don't know what the attendance was this year, but last year there were 19,000 people there. You know, the main ballroom seats about 10,000 or so. I I think I'm right about that. So there are a lot of people. And, you know, this was before people understood what was going on here. So people are in close quarters and all of that kind of thing. And only one person.
0: With the virus there. I mean, you know that there was someone who tested positive, at least one person. I can't imagine. Right. There weren't others in, in a crowd that that
1: Yeah, guy. but I, I've I've heard no reports. I mean, you would you would think so, and, you know. And at the time, I'm not sure the person who had it understood that he had it.
2: Understood. Well, uh, and, and don't forget too, people aren't getting tested, and 90 percent of people who get the virus actually recover on their own within two weeks. Yeah. So you have yeah. people who have the virus that are recovering from it. Now, where did and you because we, and because we don't, sure. don't have a lot of news sources. Um, I've also been watching a lot of the daily press conferences, and generally they're saying between 85, there's like a good 15% of people who obviously might need more care, but the wide majority of people do recover cover on their own.
0: I'm going to hold off on that and be skeptical, only because we're hearing reports now that if nothing had been done, there could be 2 million people dead. We're hearing that even with everything we're doing, there's going to be hundreds of thousands of people who will die. That is what's been coming out. And that prompted Jeffrey, our president, to extend this. We were all hopeful the last time we got together that Easter we'd be uh, in church and we'd be doing Easter egg hunts and all of that because the president was so optimistic. But that seems to have changed.
1: The thing that I think people miss about Donald Trump is that in terms of his profession, you know, he was obviously a builder. And, you know, when you go back, as I have done, and looked, you know, in some detail at his career, you know, he would set a goal. He would get told, no, you can't do this. You can't do this. He would keep at it, keep at it, keep at it. And he would change to adapt. To the circumstances and keep moving. And that's really all that's going on here. He set a goal of Easter, and then it turns out, you know, not realistic. So he moves it back. I mean, that's just typical. And frankly, I think that's a good thing. You want to be, I think the word that Dr. Fauci used is aspirational. I mean, right. we all have this conference every week. But in truth, we have no idea what's going to happen <laughs> next week at this time, right? But you plan on it, you set the goal, you set the objective, and you try and get it done. And that's really all that's going on here.
2: Well, and Dr. Fauci um, and Dr. Brooks, because I've been watching the daily press conferences with the White House, and both doctors did say, though, that there is a glimmer of hope. Now, the projection, and they did want to stress the word projection, is between 100,000 200,000 deaths here in the United States. That's their projection. and But they also said that there is a glimmer of hope. They're starting to see a breakthrough because of the social isolation and that that's just a projection. We could come way under that. So I have concerns sometimes that the media, I don't want to say that they're sensationalizing everything, but I just think we need to give people the the full picture so we don't scare people. And sometimes I I think- We We focus too much on the gloom and the doom and not enough of what the behavior changes people are making that's actually helping this pandemic. So I do want to stress that.
0: I'm glad you stressed it. And I am normally an optimist. But I am telling you, I'm following this like second by second. I'm watching everything, reading everything, because I have to stay informed. And this guy Fauci also said that we are going to see hundreds of thousands of people dying. I mean, I think part of the problem is leadership has to be willing to look at the whole cold, hard truth, brace people, inspire them to be strong and courageous, but not lie to them, not lead them. And that's part of my concern. Not that I think perhaps, as you say, Jeffrey, the president was lying. But there comes a time when you've got to turn it over to the scientists and let those who are not experienced step back and be careful with your language, because people are listening.
1: I think, Joyce, that that's exactly what he has done. I mean, it really gets me that people, that there are people out there who don't want to have these briefings at five o'clock oh, every no, night. I yeah. think these things are incredibly helpful. I mean, the president gets to say what he says, but then right there are all of these experts, doctors and scientists who he clearly is listening to. And the public gets to hear them, too, and they take all these questions and make all these statements. I mean, that's exactly what you want in this kind of situation. You want the Dr. Fauci's and the Dr. Burks of the world to be right there and informing the American people of what's up here. I mean, I think that's all to the good.
2: I agree with you halfway, Jeffrey. What's the other? Um, <laughs> I actually don't think <laughs> I actually don't think the president, I think he uses it as just a way, as usual, to pat himself on the back. I don't think what he says is helpful, but I will agree with you that listening to the doctors, them taking the questions and actually getting the truth, because there's a lot of mixed messages out there. For example, should you or should you not wear a mask? You know, we're still not exactly sure how people even get this virus. Do you get it just from coughs and sneezes or do you get it from shopping carts and subways? What's interesting to me is, I mean, New York has almost half the cases in the United States because they're densely populated. And as you know, people use public transportation. So maybe there's something more to help people get the virus. But again, we don't know that yet. And I agree with you, Jeffrey, that only it's the doctors that need to give us that information because if you get it from a subway, wearing a mask isn't going to help you. So uh, actually, there's a lot of mixed information
0: out there. There is a lot of mixed information, but I will tell you one thing, that it's not the result of the media, as, as I heard Rajette try to say. It is because doctors themselves, the scientists themselves, don't know what this virus is about. That's why they call it novel, because we are learning about it. It's a new thing. And your point, uh, Rajette, about first being told don't wear the mask, even though we see people around the globe wearing masks when that where it first came out. Now we're told, well, maybe it's might be a little bit helpful. And now the president is saying, get your headscarf and use it. (laughs) That is mixed messages. But the media has to give the people what's being said at the briefings and elsewhere. And and that's why I'm saying, Jeffrey, I agree with you on the briefings. But the briefings really need to be focused less on the political messaging and more on the scientific. Well, I don't
1: I I mean, other than the president, I mean, Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks and the others, they're doctors, they're they're, you know, the head of FEMA, they're, you know, scientists, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think there's anything political about what they have to say. I mean, they are just doing their job, which they've done for a very long time, long before this.
2: Yeah. Well, and that's where I agree with you, Jeffrey, that having the, science, the doctors there is the part of the press conferences I do like. And we're also missing a, a big piece of this is obviously the numbers are going to go up as more people get tested. And right. we don't have a lot of testing. For example, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday that's in their 30s and a friend of theirs had a fever and had some different symptoms, but she called her doctor and the doctor told her, well, just stay home. She wasn't able to get tested or anything. Now, a week later, she feels fine, but they still have her doing that two-week quarantine. So, you know, they're asking people who recover from this to donate plasma so they can try to, you know, look at the antibodies. Right. But as I said in the beginning of the podcast, you know, people are getting this virus. They're recovering, not knowing they recovered from the virus. So there's a lot of people who would donate their plasma, but they don't know that they should because they didn't know they had the virus because we don't have the testing kits. And depending on what age you are, you're less likely to get tested as well. You know, there's a lot of different pieces that are being juggled here.
0: That's a good point. In fact, uh, you know, because there are, isn't testing now, we really don't know how widespread this is. There's really a lot of information that, that the general public or the scientists don't have. But we do know this we're all in agreement that this is extending at least our self-distancing, our social distancing is extending at least through April. The shutdowns are extending at least through April and probably beyond that. I think it's fair to say that. Now, here's another issue that I think we need to talk about, guys. Looks like the president has rejected calls from some people to kind of open the Affordable Care Act to allow more Americans to sign up to provide some sort of a healthcare lifeline. I mean, at this stage, don't you think there should be some sort of emergency task force looking at how to make sure every American has health coverage during this time, Jeffrey?
1: Well, I do think we have to do something. I mean, the thing that always bothered me about approach, President Obama's approach and others' approach, uh, although I do see that Joe Biden has rejected the single payer. Yeah. is that you, you You want to have a good system in place. What you don't want to have is shared misery, where we provide to all, but what we provide is not really very good, and everybody's forced to do it. That's where you've got to do something. Now, this is an emergency, clearly. We're doing all kinds of things in this emergency that might not be done or certainly wouldn't be done otherwise. So, sure, I mean, I think, you know, look at absolutely everything.
0: Well, Politico is saying a White House official on Tuesday evening said the administration will not reopen the site the, with the Obamacare site for a special enrollment period to allow people who lose their jobs or don't have insurance, basically give them a way to get insurance. But it said the administration is exploring other options. Now, frankly, to me, that's infuriating. I mean I, Why?
1: Don't if, you want them to explore other options?
0: No, I want them to have explored other options. I want them to come out and say on a regular basis, here's what we're going to do for people who are looking at dying from this. I, I think there needs to be more than, oh, we're just looking into it. That is not what I want to hear as an American. I don't know. Uh, Rogetta, how are you feeling about this?
2: Well, I think that our elected leaders are – Aren't looking at this through the through a full picture anyways, but regarding exactly what you're saying, I have a good friend from India and, you know, he made a very good point that the United States might have, have a better, uh, healthcare system than say India, but it's less accessible. So we do need to make sure that our healthcare system is accessible, but we are missing the economic aspect of this. I saw this in Penn Live where a 38-year-old man was so depressed and upset about losing his job and didn't know how he was going to pay his rent and take care of his family that he shot himself and his girlfriend.
0: Yeah, my goodness. You
2: know, you have the Attorney General uh, Shapiro, who's asking mortgage lenders and landlords to suspend proceedings beyond what the Supreme Court is recommended. So just telling um, a landlord or a mortgage company you can't evict someone for three months Fine, they'll just wait to the fourth month as that rent and that mortgage continues to accumulate. So, yes, I agree there is a public health part to this. And we want to make sure as many people, you know, stay healthy and do not pass away from this. But our elected officials are not looking at the economic fallout of this and what's going to happen three, four months from that. That's why a lot of people are trying to get back to work because they know what's going to happen three, four months. And I think that really is the generation divide where one group has not just the health to look at it, but they also have their economic well-being to look at it as well.
0: I think that clearly everybody has that. That's not where the generational divide. But when we come back, we'll take a break now. When we come back, we'll get more into how the different generations are handling this or responding to it. But we really do need to step in and talk a little bit more about how people are going to be expected to take care of their health if they don't have insurance and it's tied to their job and they're losing their job. So with that, let's take a little bit of a break. We'll be back to argue some more. Okay, we are back. And if you would like to join our conversation, you can do so on Twitter or Facebook at battleground pa, And don't remember, I mean, don't forget, you can send us an email with your thoughts or ideas at topics at BattlegroundPA.org. So, Rajette and uh, Jeffrey, we are back. Let's pick up where we left off. We were talking about really the economic difficulties that many Americans are facing. We know that Congress has tried to send some help we've got these checks that are coming, we've got the help coming to small businesses, but there's still this question of how long will that help last? And there's still the question of when people lose their jobs, they still lose their health care. And there is now nothing in place to deal with this. And frankly, I don't hear either the Republicans or the Democrats speaking to the fact that in a month, Many Americans are not going to have health care, not going to have money or be able to afford to get any of these expensive plans that are out there. What's going on?
2: Even though some help is coming with the stimulus package, it's important to point out that not everyone will receive the twelve hundred dollars. And number two, that's not going to be enough to sustain people for one month, let alone more than that. So I, I do want to point that out. Congress is definitely going to have to come back. If they're going to continue to prolong this shutdown and and you know do something else uh, financially and economically for people, uh, regarding the healthcare, it is a problem. But as we've mentioned many times on previous podcasts, neither party has really taken a leadership role on fixing the healthcare system. I actually think this virus is going to make them make healthcare a priority because it's changing the way we even look at healthcare. Absolutely. Yeah, that- I
1: think that's probably. I think that's probably correct. I mean, this is out of the blue, as it were, and sometimes when things come out of the blue, it forces a reexamination of the whole situation. I mean, I could not understand for the life of me why Republicans who spent most of the Obama administration saying that, you know, repeal and replace, then they get a Republican president and they should have had a press conference the day after and announced their plan and they didn't do Mm -hmm. it.
0: I'm so that glad. was
1: very frustrating to me. I mean, I just didn't get it and and now, as it were, for both parties, the chickens have come home to roost, so they need to you know get on with it here
0: i and and Jeffrey, I'm just saying I'm so glad that you're saying that because. I mean, first of all, it shows you have a heart. There are people really that, I mean, in, a, in the middle of a pandemic, we really do need all brains put together to figure this out. And I, I'm going to have to tell you, I do believe we have some of the best brains in the world in the U.S. that should be able to figure this out on the Republican or yeah. Democrat side. But I'm going to tell you, the candidate that's emerging to be the Democratic candidate, Joe Biden, doesn't seem to have any ideas either, uh, Rajat. He's saying that he's not for the single-payer health care system. Single-payer will not solve that at all, what's going on, Biden says. He told that to MSNBC. So what is he proposing? What is he? At least we have Bernie saying something. What is Biden
2: proposing? Well, Biden's just sticking with his original plan, which is to add a public option to the Affordable Care Act. So people who have private insurance will be able to keep their insurance. People who don't will be able to get insurance through a public option, which would probably be similar to a Medicare for All plan, but it will only be for those who absolutely need it. So he's just keeping the plan that he has been promoting. Now, you are correct. There are people who look at this as a way to kind of push Bernie Sanders' idea of a Medicare for All system, but Biden, is he's staying true to what he truly believes in.
0: And do we think that if he were, uh, if that plan that he was proposing, would that really solve the problem we're dealing with, Jeffrey?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure that it would. This is one of those moments in American history where something so overwhelming occurs that what finally happens is that there's change brought to whatever the situation is or what life in general is, et cetera. And I think this is exactly one of those moments. Now, I I think I don't have a crystal ball here. I can't tell you exactly how this change is going to, you know, look when it's all done. But that there will be change in all of this, I'm, I think, is certain. It's really
0: clear to me that this is the single biggest issue we're facing now, especially when, when folks realize they don't have insurance. You're going to have some very angry people when their kids start getting sick, when they're sick, when grandma's sick, and they don't have health care to be able to. And we're being told. The next two weeks are going to be crucial in this. That's just when many people who have been laid off may find that they're don't have. They're, they're coming to the end of their health care. And the only person I see actually speaking with any passion to this issue, Republican side or Democrat, is Bernie. He's at least come out with this coronavirus response, emergency response, empower Medicare to lead health care. Two, establish an emergency economic crisis finance agency to manage the economic crisis. Three, create an oversight agency to fight corporate corruption and price gouging. I mean, the man at least is saying something. Where are the Republican voices screaming about this, uh, Jeffrey?
1: I think you're mistaken. I mean, I I really do think that this kind of discussion is going on. We we may not be hearing it yet, but I do think the discussion is going on you know, there will be action. Well,
2: and Bernie's not going to be the Democratic nominee either. He's not going to be president. So regardless of what happens moving forward with states, you know, postponing their primary, we have our two candidates, unless a third party candidate comes into play. So, you know, Bernie's going to have to work with the Democrat Party if he truly believes in his ideas and try to incorporate them into, um, you know, Joe Biden and the in the Democrat party's platform. I would argue and, that's you know, why he's not going to be the nominee is he does everything by himself instead uh, of bringing the party with him and working together with his ideas. You know, you have to compromise. And this is <clears throat> this is a time we need a calm voice, a calm demeanor to look at this from different perspectives. Again, we have the public health aspect. We A lot of people are going to be upset they don't have health care, but they're also going to be upset that they don't have health care because they now don't have a job that gave them that health care. So, again, we can't just focus on the public health aspect, but there's also the, the economic job aspect of this, too. And I do think Joe Biden does have that demeanor to be able to handle both sides of this. If we can get people to focus on the election. And I know, Jeffrey, you're not going to like what I'm about to say, but honestly, <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> Looking at the way that our elected leaders has treated this virus, I am more scared of Donald Trump being reelected than I am of the coronavirus. (laughs) And people are not focused on this election. And that's where we're going to get the change.
1: Well, I think think they're not focused on this election, but I, for one, am very glad that he's there. And it concerns me that when he started in on this in January, he was attacked. You know, the very first thing he did was institute the travel ban from China. And he was pilloried as a racist and a bigot and xenophobic and all of this kind of thing. Well, now, I mean, Dr. Fauci is saying the very fact that he did it and did it so early is the thing that is saving this from being worse than it than it could be uh, or or than it is.
0: He was was pilloried and people didn't quite see why he was doing it. But frankly, Jeffrey, it wasn't enough. And he downplayed it. Now, well,
1: but, 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 you know, with all due respect, what were the Democrats all about? They weren't about the virus. Good heavens, This the governor of Michigan who gave the uh, response to the State of the Union didn't even mention it. The president did, went out of his way to mention it. And then, of course, but, Nancy, in, in a State of the Union, Nancy Pelosi stands up and shreds the speech and yeah. says, you know, that it's, it's a bunch of garbage and all of this sort sure. of thing. I, I, and yeah, there he is talking about the virus. And what needs to be done right there in the speech. And they wasted all of this time and money on impeachment and got the focus of the country on that instead of this. And that is shameful.
2: Jeffrey, but, let me tell but you, did, and
0: I think that's, that's misleading as well. If the president knew and if he had information saying this was a national and on global emergency, he had the bully pit to be able to spread that message. And he did.
1: He not. said it. He said it in his he State of the Union that speech.
0: Message, if he, if he had it buried in a speech somewhere, that's one thing. But he had the bully pulpit to be able to let people know this is going to kill hundreds of thousands of people. I never heard that. I listened intently well, to what. Well, happened. that's
1: why he put the China, the. China travel ban. That, that was January 31st. And he was attacked for doing it.
0: Yeah, but it wasn't. And not only
1: that, but my Democratic friends were saying, oh, let's go out. Let's go to Chinatown. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's party. Let's, let's, you know, carry on with all this sort of thing. That was exactly the wrong thing to tell people.
0: It was the wrong thing to tell me, but I will, I will stand on this. The president has not shown leadership to make sure Americans were prepared for this and that they were aware of the seriousness of the situation. People were listening. He had the opportunity to do it. He people did.
1: People were <laughs> listening to impeachment 24-7. That's what they were listening to. They were being told by the, the, the Democrats in Congress, Adam Schiff, Nancy Pelosi, that that was the single most important thing to pay attention to. But Jeffrey, and, and the media the president- went along with it, and we got a steady diet of this 24-7 for months.
2: But Jeffrey, just and now we're paying the price.
1: This is, as I've written elsewhere, this this is the impeachment that killed Americans, and it's shameful.
2: But Jeffrey, just to kind of insert into here, when the stimulus package was passed, it was a bipartisan bill, as you know. Why didn't the president have the Speaker Pelosi and other Democrat leaders there with him when he signed the legislation? I mean, both sides are playing this political game, and people are suffering because of the political games that are well, I mean, played. the bill was
1: passed and signed. Uh, you know, what more do you need than time,
2: that? You know it's symbolic. It's symbolic, and it was the one time well, I, that... I saw, saw
1: Kevin McCarthy stand standing there with Speaker Pelosi when the thing was passed, so there you go. Well,
2: yeah, but, but it is it is symbolic, though. Um, well, symbolic. But, but we also need to also focus on the behaviors because, you know, this virus is here now, and as other viruses... Yes, it will, we'll finally get that curb. And, you know, they're now trying out medicines to try to treat people with it, but it's here to stay. So, you know, we also have to remember that, you know, life, eventually, yes, we'll be able to go back to restaurants and things of that nature, but there are going to be certain behaviors that are going to have to change. For instance, I'm sure you're hearing hearing that people are actually being arrested and things are are happening because people still aren't covering their mouths when they cough in grocery stores and stuff. I'm sure we've all heard some of these stories. You might have to walk around with sanitizer now. Um, Restaurants, when they first open up in the summer, they might not be the full capacity. They might open up, I don't know, 20% our 50 percent capacity until we see how things go before they become. I, I, I I, I
0: have to be. I am somewhat concerned, too, and I think I expressed this before at the number of places that should be closed that aren't. And I'm particularly concerned about the faith groups, the churches and all that continue to have services with older people there. I don't know what people don't get.
1: Well, you know, Joyce, I can address that with one specific, and that's from my own church, you know, Chapel Hill United Church of Christ here in East Pennsboro. And this Sunday, I mean, we we have not had church for two weekends in a row. And this Sunday, Palm Sunday, we will be having church. We are going to be in the parking lot. Everybody is going to stay in their car. The minister is going to speak through a microphone. And that's it. We're We're not going to have any contact with one another. And so we're going to both have church, but we are going to do it in a safe fashion.
0: But but I guess the question I have is because some people are even discouraging that. How Would that be uh, going against the directive for people to stay home? Remember, there is a directive from the governor now for much of the
2: state that people are to stay home, not leave their home. Well, but you can't go out for walks. That's not 100 percent true. You no, can't can go out for walks. They encourage you to be you know, less than ten people.
0: Stay home, if you don't have to go out, especially around other people. But you're
1: not in con- you're not in contact with other people. Right. You're right. in your because car. They're going
0: exactly. to stay home. And that's all I'm saying because they're going to start arresting people for this, and I'm not sure what they're going to do if you, you say I'm driving to a parking lot church service. I don't know but what. They're it, going to but it. if you read, the and, and let's, people, let's, you let's remember that we do all.
1: have we do have a First Amendment here with uh, freedom of religion. Uh, And if you if you say to people that they can't worship, you're violating the First Amendment.
0: I am not violating it. I'm simply saying we have a stay home order. We know that when people get out in public and especially if they're exchanging things, I don't know if everybody's not
1: in public, you're in your car.
0: You're in in your car in public. Right. And
1: no, no, no. When you're in your car, I mean, presumably the only people in the car with you are the people who are also at home with you.
0: As long as it is all those yeah, you haven't picked up someone along the way. So I think Well,
1: that's
2: yeah. The issue. Well, Jeffrey, I agree with you. I don't see anything wrong with that too. And again, the the governor does have in his order that you are allowed to go out, you're allowed to run, you're allowed to go out and take walks. As long as you're a certain amount of feet from people, you are allowed to gather less than ten people. So there are exceptions to that rule of just staying in your house twenty four seven for the next thirty days, as we all know.
0: There are um, I agree with that. All I'm saying is what is the wise and prudent thing to do. And to me, it is to encourage, especially the older people that would be coming out, it would be to encourage them to stay home and worship the Lord in spirit and
2: in truth. But let's move on. Oh, that's why we have freedom of choice. <laughs>
0: that's why we have freedom of choice. We don't give me a that tells us to stay home. Bingo. Let's move on to what's going to happen now. Joe Biden is saying, it's hard to envision a normal DNC this year due to the coronavirus pandemic. I would say it's hard to envision a normal anything, any of any of these conventions. What is the thinking now with regard to what's going to happen to the elections, even getting people to turn out to vote in June? I mean, I'm sure it's on people's mind. How are people inside thinking about how this is actually going to affect the electoral process, the conventions, et cetera.
1: I frankly have no idea, but this this is going to be a problem, and those two conventions I mean, they are American rituals for heaven's sakes, but then again, so is uh, major league baseball or basketball or going to the movies. This is going to be a problem now, if we get this resolved before the convention, that's all to the good. If we don't i mean and this is just off the top of my head, I would have to guess. I mean, you you have delegates to these conventions. In other words, that's a finite number of people in both parties. And I would imagine there is a way to, you know, my my own extended family has started doing Zoom, which for those not in the know, and I was not in the know, is a thing where, you know, everybody sits in front of their computer and up pops an individual picture of absolutely everybody in the conference call. And, you know, we go back and forth and talk, et cetera, et cetera. I imagine that there is some virtual way to do these conventions. I don't frankly know what it is, but you would think with X number of delegates that the party chairman in both parties would be able to figure this out.
0: You would think, but what are they thinking for the Democrat side, Bridgette?
2: Well, there has been meetings about it. I know here in Dauphin County, we're going to have a meeting about this week. But what concerns me, and it's only April 1st, so... The convention's on July, so there's still a lot of time in between. But as having been a delegate myself in the past, it's what really gets that enthusiasm going to your party, to your voters, a way to reach out to your even independent, undecided. that messaging. And if we don't have a convention, I think if I'm looking at this, you know, from an analytical standpoint, it's going to hurt more the Democratic Party because we need that enthusiasm Mm. to increase our turnout. And as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, if people really want change, we need to start thinking about the election and getting people to the polls in November, because that's the only way we're going to get real change. So I am hoping that things continue to go more positively and we're able to have those conventions. It can be done virtually, you know, people can vote remotely, but it, we're going to lose that enthusiasm that really gets people starting to look at the election. And I I just don't think that's going to be good.
1: I mean, I I have to say, just historically speaking, incumbent presidents, generally, whether Republican or Democrat, tend to get reelected in this country. So right off the bat, the Democrats are at a disadvantage with that. You add all of this into the mix, and I mean, there's no way in our current situation that Joe Biden is going to get the kind of attention that the president gets because the president is the president. And and that's always sort of been a factor in American elections. But in a situation like this, I mean, it just takes Joe Biden right off the front pages yeah, against his not, will.
0: There's another way to look at look at that. And I was going to tell Rajette this, too, about Biden, because he should be reaching out uh, yes, Bernie should be reaching out to him, but Biden needs to reach out to, the, to to Bernie and get his ideas. He needs to be deliberate about that and wooing these younger voters. But on the other hand, if the president is getting a lot of negative publicity because this virus is, is taking out Americans and he doesn't seem to have a real solution and he's spouting off half-truths, that's also not going to, he's going to get attention, but all that attention is not going to be positive attention, Jeffrey.
1: I think what you're going to have is that there's a lot of reaction against the media out there, you know, I mean, trying to shut down these briefings and all this kind of thing. I mean, what what we have, and I've done some writing on this, you've got a media out there that is very used to setting the narrative of whatever is going on. And in this case, they're virulently, a lot of them, anti-Trump. So they're out there trying to make this into exactly the kind of situation where the president is unpopular. And it isn't flying with a lot of people. I mean, I I saw, I think just this morning, that Fox News gets the biggest ratings in the history of the company here. That's because people are watching. They're just tired of this tearing down the president stuff all the time. They want something done, and they see him there in action every day, and it has a direct impact on their lives.
2: But we also have to remember, too, that – a lot of people are looking at what's going on in their particular state and city. So even though I agree, I personally don't think the president has handled this situation well. It's not the president that necessarily closed down their businesses or had them laid off from their jobs. So they might blame the governor or the mayor within the city that they reside. I saw this video on, uh it went viral on YouTube and social media sites that lives in Lebanon a restaurant owner that was blaming actually the governor for shutting everything down. And he got things all mixed up saying it was the governor that was just giving him a thousand dollars. That wasn't going to do anything, blah, blah, blah. But you know, a lot of people don't separate the federal state and local governments as we all know, we really don't know how people are going to look at this when it comes election time, which is why the Democrat party, we really, really need to outreach voters. And if we can't have our convention, Really let people educate people on what's really going on and get that enthusiasm out so that we can get them to the polls, because change only happens at the ballot box. I say that all the time.
0: And I don't see any of the candidates really doing a lot now. I mean, I, I know that there's been some town halls here and there, but they, I, mean, I, I guess it's because really people's attitudes, their minds are really on how to survive health-wise. It's, it's health and economics, you're right, uh, Rajesh. How are you going to keep food on the table? How are you going to keep the rent paid? And how are you going to avoid being in the hospital when thousands of other people are
2: competing for one ventilator? That's- no, you can't. And you can't ask people for money. People don't have money, as you mentioned, to put groceries on their table. So you can't really raise money at this time. But I, uh, the media I, is only focused on this, so you can't get prepaid media. It's a tough time to have the campaign.
0: It's a very tough time. So with that, but I will tell you, Jeffrey, I, I hear what you're saying, but I'm going to tell you, if Americans are facing the worst times with people dying all around them and no clear, not enough of anything to make sure they're getting good health care, The man at the top is going to get a lot of this venom. And I don't see – when I look around even historically, you look at, at history. Yes, it's going to look at the governors. It's going to look at the mayors, what are you doing? But the president of the United States is going to have to stand there and either unify us, find solutions, or take the heat. That's as Which he I,
1: does every
0: night at 5 o'clock. She does every night. And he should keep doing it. So with that, I want to thank you both again for joining me. To thank Rajat Harris and Jeffrey Lord. These are tough times for all of us. We are trying to figure out how to get through, but we will do so as a unified American people is, is a hope. And I thank our listeners for joining us. And please do tune in again next week when we will go at it again on Battleground P.A.
2: This was Battleground PA. Be sure to rate and subscribe to us so you don't miss a beat. Have an idea for an episode? Tweet us at Battleground PA or email us at topics at battlegroundpa.org. Meanwhile, stay in the know between episodes on PenLive.com. Battleground PA is hosted by PenLive's opinion editor, Joyce Davis, and is produced by Pen Studios director, Salim Michelle McClough, and edited by Martin Boutros. More info and past episodes can be found
1: at battlegroundpa.org